0: Waiting for the light to come Shining through Someone like you Bring it all worthwhile Someone like you Make me satisfied Someone exactly like you I've been doing some soul searching. Find out where you were at. I've been up and down the highway. In all kinds of far land Someone like you. Begging all was wild. Someone
1: like you
0: keep me satisfied. Someone exactly like you. I've been all around the world, marching to the beat of a different drum. But just lately I have realized we will do the best is yet to come. Someone like you. Make it all worthwhile someone like you. Every satisfied. Someone exactly like you Someone exactly like you The best is yet to come
2: I've called home for 30 years is a rural community that's known fire and flood and it's mostly clustered around a bay now the bay used to run a little bit further south but it's silted up pretty much and in most of it's pasture land so running along the south side of it is a levee with a road on it and on the south side of the levee road is the home of a family called Love and every once in a while the the water tries to reclaim that part of the bay and runs over the levee and floods and even though over the years the Love family has put their house up on posts. Sometimes they still have to jump on a rowboat and row away to dry terra firma. Regrettably also, the, the rising waters also seem to be a little bit too much like the rising costs of housing. Land and homes have gotten to a point where most people can't afford them. And unfortunately, I've had to watch uh, too many of my friends move away from the area, because they couldn't afford to buy a home or rent anymore. So this is the Levee Road song. Oh, the water on the levee road, it rose. Oh, the water on the levee road, it rose Oh, the water on the levee road, it rose it rose so high it put a tear in my eye Oh, the water on the levee road, it rose Inch by inch the water rises slow Inch by inch the water rises slow Inch by inch it rises slow Me and my family gotta pack up and go The water on a levee road it rose. The water rose and then it came in waves The water rose and then it came in waves The water rose and then it came in waves so much cane that the levee gave Oh, the water on the levee road it rose price of land The water rises like the price of land We cannot afford to rent or buy We gotta tell all our neighbors goodbye Oh, the water on the levee road, it rose. Water rose from below and the water fell from above Water rose from below and water fell from above Water rose from below, water fell from above Could not drown out the house of love Oh, the water on a levee road, it rode The water rises like the price of land The water rises like the price of land we cannot afford to rent or buy. We're gonna have to tell our neighbors goodbye. Oh, the water on the levee road, it rose.
3: That a song I know. <clears throat> the Sky is Crying by the great Etta James. And before that, uh, before Etta James, of course, Elmore James. The sky is crying. Tears roll down the street as we go to war. The whole world is poised on the edge of war, waiting with bated breath. In a lot of cases, I'm afraid, a certain fascination, fascination, what are we going to do? How bad is it going to be? How many kids will get shot and women raped and men murdered? How many, how many? Back to war again. Israel feels like it's justified now. And Israeli citizens are lining up in the death lines to watch the murders. Here's Mark Twain's. Mark Twain's take on.
4: Recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, visit LibriVox.org. The War Prayer by Mark Twain. It was a time of great and exalting excitement. The country was up in arms. The war was on. In every breast burned the holy fire of patriotism. The drums were beating, the bands playing, the toy pistols popping, the bunched firecrackers hissing and spluttering. On every hand and far down the receding and fading spread of roofs and balconies a fluttering wilderness of flags flashed in the sun. Daily the young volunteers marched down the wide avenue, gay and fine, in their new uniforms the proud fathers and mothers and sisters and sweethearts, cheering them with voices choked with happy emotion as they swung by. Nightly the packed mass-meetings listened, panting, to patriot oratory which stirred the deepest deeps of their hearts, and which they interrupted at briefest intervals with cyclones of applause, the tears running down their cheeks the while. In the churches the pastors preached devotion to flag and country, and invoked the God of battles, besieging his aid in our good cause in outpourings of fervid eloquence which moved every listener. It was, indeed, a glad and gracious time, and the half-dozen rash spirits that ventured to disapprove of the war, and cast a doubt upon its righteousness straightway got such a stern and angry warning, that for their personal safety's sake they quickly shrank out of sight, and offended no more in that way. Sunday morning came. Next day the battalions would leave for the front. The church was filled. The volunteers were there, their young faces alight with martial dreams, visions of the stern advance, the gathering momentum, the rushing charge, the flashing sabers, the flight of the foe, the tumult, the enveloping smoke, the fierce pursuit, the surrender. Then home from the war, bronzed heroes, welcomed, adored, submerged in golden seas of glory. With the volunteers sat their dear ones, proud, happy, and envied by the neighbors and friends, who had no sons and brothers to send forth to the field of honor, there to win for the flag, or, failing, die the noblest of noble deaths. The service proceeded. A war-chapter from the Old Testament was read. The first prayer was said. It was followed by an organ-burst that shook the building, and with one impulse the house rose, with glowing eyes and beating hearts, and poured out that tremendous invocation, God the all-terrible, thou who ordainest, thunder thy clarion and lightning thy sword. Then came the long prayer. None could remember the like of it for passionate pleading and moving and beautiful language. The burden of its supplication was that an ever-merciful and benignant father of us all would watch over our noble young soldiers and aid, comfort, and encourage them in their patriotic work, bless them, shield them in the day of battle and the hour of peril, bear them in his mighty hand, make them strong and confident, invincible in the bloody onset, help them to crush the foe, grant to them and to their flag and country, imperishable honor and glory. An aged stranger entered and moved with slow and noiseless step up the main aisle, his eyes fixed upon the minister, his long body clothed in a robe that reached to his feet, his head bare, his white hair descending in a frothy cataract to his shoulders, his seamy face unnaturally pale, pale even to ghastliness. With all eyes following him and wondering, he made his silent way. Without pausing, he ascended to the preacher's side, and stood there waiting. With shut lids the preacher, unconscious of his presence, continued with his moving prayer, and at last finished it with the words uttered in fervent appeal, Bless our arms! Grant us the victory, O Lord our God, Father and Protector of our land and flag." The stranger touched his arm, motioned him to step aside, which the startled minister did, and took his place. During some moments he surveyed the spell-bound audience with solemn eyes, in which burned an uncanny light. Then in a deep voice he said, I come from the throne, bearing a message from Almighty God. The words smote the house with a shock. If the stranger perceived it, he gave no attention. He has heard the prayer of his servant your shepherd, and will grant it, if such shall be your desire after I, his messenger shall have explained to you its import, that is to say, its full import. For it is like unto many of the prayers of men, in that it asks for more than he who utters it is aware of, except he pause and think. God's servant and yours has prayed his prayer. Has he paused and taken thought? Is it one prayer? No, it is two. One uttered, the other not. Both have reached the ear of him who heareth all supplications, the spoken and the unspoken. Ponder this. Keep it in mind. If you would beseech a blessing upon yourself, beware lest without intent you invoke a curse upon a neighbor at the same time. If you pray for the blessing of rain upon your crop which needs it, by that act you are possibly praying for a curse upon some neighbor's crop which may not need rain and can be injured by it. You have heard your servant's prayer, the uttered part of it. I am commissioned of God to put into words the other part of it that part which the pastor, and also you in your hearts, fervently prayed silently. And ignorantly and unthinkingly? God grant that it was so. You heard these words, grant us the victory, O Lord our God. That is sufficient. The whole of the uttered prayer is compact into those pregnant words. Elaborations were not necessary. When you have prayed for victory. YOU HAVE PRAYED FOR MANY UNMENTIONED RESULTS WHICH FOLLOW VICTORY, MUST FOLLOW IT, CANNOT HELP BUT FOLLOW IT. UPON THE LISTENING SPIRIT OF GOD FELL ALSO THE UNSPOKEN PART OF THE PRAYER. HE COMMANDETH ME TO PUT IT INTO WORDS. LISTEN. O LORD, OUR FATHER, OUR YOUNG PATRIOTS, IDOLS OF OUR HEARTS, GO FORTH TO BATTLE. BE THOU NEAR THEM. With them in spirit we also go forth from the sweet peace of our beloved firesides to smite the foe. O Lord our God, help us to tear their soldiers to bloody shreds with our shells. Help us to cover their smiling fields with the pale forms of their patriot dead. Help us to drown the thunder of the guns with the shrieks of their wounded writhing in pain. Help us to lay waste their humble homes with a hurricane of fire. Help us to wring the hearts of their unoffending widows with unavailing grief. Help us to turn them out roofless with little children to wander unfriended, the wastes of their desolated land, in rags and hunger and thirst, sports of the sun-flames of summer and the icy winds of winter broken in spirit, worn with travail, imploring thee for the refuge of the grave, and denied it. For our sakes, who adore thee, Lord, blast their hopes, blight their lives, protract their bitter pilgrimage, make heavy their steps, water their way with their tears, stain the white snow with the blood of their wounded feet. We ask it in the spirit of love, of him who is the source of love and who is the ever-faithful refuge and friend of all that are sore beset, and seek his aid with humble and contrite hearts. Amen." After a pause, "'Ye have prayed it. If ye still desire it, speak. The Messenger of the Most High waits.' It was believed afterward that the man was a lunatic, because there was no sense in what he said. End of the War Prayer by Mark Twain.
3: Mark Twain's War Prayer, the flip side of the uh, glorious side of war. There is a glorious side. We stand on the precipice now. Israelis in full awareness of what they're doing are going in to raise Gaza. This is all this of course is a a situation. The whole Israeli partition as Vietnam, Cyprus, Korea, these are all left over from World War II. This is unfinished business. The leaders at that time kicked the can down the down the street. They never dealt with it. They never dealt with a contradiction between colonial powers and the people they govern. Which side are you on? So the British promised the land to the Zionists. The Zionists went in and took over. Supported by the British, they murdered hundreds, thousands of Palestinians until the general population, a lot left on their own. But let's listen to Dr. Gabor Mate, and then we'll get on with Labor and Love. This is a horrible moment in world history. This is a moment where, in full cognition of what they're going to do, Israelis are going to rage. Exhilarating
5: to believe in a dream.
3: Here's Gabor Mate, a health doctor, a veteran of the pogroms.
5: This is one of the issues that's closest to my heart and it has been for a long time. So, you know my history, I don't know if to repeat it, but I'm, a, I'm personally a Holocaust survivor as an infant. Um, I barely survived. My, my, my grandparents were killed in Auschwitz and uh, most of my extended family was killed. Um, that's my personal background. I grew up ashamed of my Jewishness. In, uh, in Hungary, after the war, I was still bullied for being Jewish. And I remember one of my friends coming to my rescue once, saying, leave him alone, it's not his fault that he's Jewish. It's a fault, but it's not his fault. This was the defense. So I grew up with that. In my teenage years in Canada, I became a Zionist. This dream of the Jewish people resurrected in their historical homeland and the barbed wire of Auschwitz being replaced by the boundaries of a, of a Jewish state with a powerful army. I, I found it liberating. It was exhilarating to believe in that dream. And I absorbed all, the, all that perspective, and all that point of view, and I really believed in it. And then I found out that it wasn't exactly like that. That in order to make this Jewish dream a reality, We had to visit a nightmare on the local population. You couldn't. There was a Zionist slogan called uh, um, "a land without a people for a people without a land," but there was no people with. There was no land without a people. There was people living there who'd been living there for hundreds and years, or even longer. As a matter of fact. If you want to hear something really interesting, and David Ben-Gurion, who was the first Prime Minister of Israel, actually subscribed to this, he said this, who are the Palestinians? Because the Jews in uh, Roman times, never all all of them never left Palestine. Many of them stayed there. And some of them, hundreds of years, years later, converted to Islam. So guess who the Palestinians are? in some ways there might be descendants of ancient jews there are cousins to say the least no matter how you look at it and in order, and there's no way you could have ever created uh, a jewish state without uh, oppressing and ex- uh, expelling the local population which is what they did in 1947 beginning in 1947 and first of all with british Empire protection, you know, but they did this and then in 1948, Israeli historians, Israeli historians, Jewish Israeli historians, have shown without a doubt that the explosion of the Palestinians was persistent, it was pervasive, it was cruel, it was murderous, and with deliberate attempt. So. That's what's called the Nakba in Arabic, the disaster or the catastrophe. Now in, Israel, now in Canada, there's a law that you cannot deny the Holocaust. I don't believe in such laws, by the way. But in Israel, you're not allowed to mention the Nakba, even though it was at the very basis of the foundation of the state. So once I became aware of all this, I was Okay, well, yeah, we created this beautiful dream, but we imposed a nightmare on somebody else. And then I visited the occupied territories, Russell, during the first intifada. I cried every day for two weeks at what I saw. The brutality of the occupation, the petty harassment, the murderousness of it, the burning down of Palestinian, or cutting down of Palestinian olive groves, the denial of water rights, the humiliations. And this went on, and it's much worse now than it was then. So this is the background. And it couldn't have been in any other way. Because again, you couldn't have created that exclusive Jewish state without oppressing or expelling the local population. It's the long, it's the longest ethnic cleansing operation in the 20th and 21st centuries. It's still going on. And who are these people in Gaza? Now, you have to go to Gaza. You have to go there to really appreciate it. It's a small area where there are these hundred, multiple hundreds of thousands of people. Who are those people? The direct children or grandchildren of the people that are expressed from Israel. Of what is not Israel. Now, here's the outrage, and I'd like you, your Zionist friend in the States to tell me this. I, as a Jew, I could land in Tel Aviv tomorrow and demand citizenship under the right law of the right of return. But my Palestinian friend in Vancouver, Hanakawas, Kawas, who was born in Jerusalem, can't even visit. So what sense does it? No, so who, are, who is Gaza? This desperate, blockaded... Uh, let me stop again. Am I talking too long about this? I'm sorry, I just... This is so important to me and I know so much about it that I, I don't even know where to stop. So then you have these miserable people packed into this horrible... People call it the world's largest outdoor prison, which is what it is. Incredible poverty. 50% unemployment. Now Hamas is an Islamic organization that was originally encouraged by Israel and supported by Israel as a counterweight to the secular Palestine Liberation Organization, which Israel didn't want to deal with. And given those conditions, of course people will go for extremist leadership. That's what people do when they're miserable and hopeless and deprived of any possibility whatsoever. You don't have to support Hamas policies to stand up for Palestinian rights. That's a complete falsity. But there were free elections in Gaza, monitored by international community. They were declared to be the freest elections ever held in the in the Arab world. And Hamas happened to win. And when Hamas won that election, Israel and the United States immediately organized their military coup against them which Hamas defeated. For which the punishment was this blockade that deprives Hamas of, not Hamas, but Gaza, of food, of medical supplies, of sufficient water. I could go on and on and on and on. And then you have this conflict. And then every time there's a conflict, Israel mows the lawn. That's the expression they use. You know what they call it? They call it mowing the lawn, by which they mean the mass murder of Palestinian civilians. Now, is it true that that the Gazans shoot rockets into Israel, killing innocent civilians? Yes, it is. Do I support that? No, I don't. But when it comes to the death of innocent civilians, Israel killed 20,000 Lebanese civilians in 1982 using illegal weapons like cluster bombs in a war that ignores no justification whatsoever. I could go on and on and on and on. Except I'll say that the disproportion of power and responsibility and oppression is so markedly on one side that if you take the worst thing you can say about Hamas multiplied by a thousand times and it still will not meet the Israeli repression and killing and dispossession of Palestinians. If we can, if after 2,000 years we can look for liberation and freedom, why can't the Palestinians? If you look at the Western press, when Hong Kong demonstrators throw stones at the police in Hong Kong, that's considered to be heroism in the American press. When in Myanmar the demonstrators throw th- slingshots at the army, at the oppressive army, they're considered to be heroes in the Western press. When Palestinian kids throw stones at the Israeli soldiers, they're called terrorists. And uh, Israel gets away with a lot more without much less criticism in the Western press than any other country. Um, I'll say one more thing. I was recently contacted by a Palestinian woman from Jericho. She runs a program for Palestinian children who spend time in Israeli jails. 14, 15, 16 year olds are jailed for months or years. Sometimes they can't see their families for months. And she, and she runs a program for them. You know what she does? She meditates with them. She does Sufi, Sufi dervish dancing with them, swirling dancing, to bring them out of their stress days She says, We don't have post traumatic stress disorder here because the trauma is never post. The trauma is daily, she said. I just wish your Zionist friend would visit the occupied territories in Gaza like I have and let him speak the way he speaks now. he's got any ounce of humanity left, he would cry like I did for two weeks when I was there. Now, we're not living in Nazi Germany. Anybody can go on YouTube and listen to Ilan Pape, an Israeli historian, totally eloquent on Israeli history who's living in England now, because life became in Israel too difficult for him. Anybody can listen to Norman Frankenstein, a Jewish professor, world expert on Gaza, who was denied tenure at his university because of his public speaking against Israeli policy. You can listen to any number of uh, Israeli Defense Forces soldiers who talk about the brutality that they now regret having committed. You can listen to Israeli pilots who talk about why they refuse to fly over Gaza because of the atrocities they're made to commit. You can get all the information you want. So if anybody these days doesn't know, it's not because the information is not available. It's not what you know, it's what you could know if you wanted to find out. There are no two sides. I mean It's always a complex question, but in terms of power and control, and it's pretty straightforward. There was a land with the people living there and other people wanted it. They took it over and they continue to take it over and they continue to discriminate against, oppress and dispossess that other people. That's what happened and that's what's happening.
3: Dr. Geber Mate there, and by the American poet Stephen Crane, and it's called War is Kind. Do not weep, maiden, for war is kind, because your lover threw wild hands toward the sky and the affrighted steed ran on alone. Do not weep, war is kind. Horse, booming drums of the regiment, little souls who thirst for fight, these men were born to drill and die. The unexplained glory flies above them. Greed is the battle god, great and his kingdom a field where a thousand corpses lie. Do not weep, babe, for war's kind. Because your father tumbled in the yellow trenches. Raged at his throat, gulped and died. Do not weep, or is kind. Swift blazing flag of the regiment, eagle with crest of red and gold. These men were born to drill and die. Point for them the virtue of slaughter. Make plain to them the excellence of killing in a field where a thousand corpses lie. Mother whose heart hung humble as a button on the bright splendid shroud of your son, do not weep. War is kind. War is Kind by Stephen Crane. And we sort of started out our show the first half hour, 40 minutes, obsessed as most of the world is with the coming slaughter in Gaza. And the Israeli government said it's going to root out Hamas, reading over and over and over the same crap that the U.S. fell into. When you're fighting a whole people, you have to kill children. You have to kill women. You have to kill old men in order to root out the militants. How do you know which one is a militant? At any rate, let's get on with our work. We we started out with Van Morrison, and I played Van Morrison because someone like you was a favorite of my brother Charlie. Then I played the Levy Road song. song Charlie wrote to both talk about the rising tide of water as it rained and rained and also the rising prices uh, he lived in an area that is one of the most affluent in the world never had a chance to buy a house although he lived there for 30 40 years and put all his energy in and there were disasters like the rains, floods. Charlie would put his guitar down and go and fill sandbags and transport the sick and the the needy out of the area. Play benefits to raise money for them. So uh Charlie's second one and yesterday was Charlie's birthday. October thirteenth. So this show is by way of a kind of a celebration of his, his life and work. Let's play something else.
2: In New Zealand I read a magazine Something nasty in crossed
6: California my eye drought.
2: The earth that fed me in California Was turning cracked and dry New Zealand ferns are always green It rains more there than it should I looked to the cloud that was raining on me And said go you can do some good Clouds stop crying and wasting time And fly across the sky Spread a lot of rain, sweet rain Spread a lot of rain on California I don't want to see her die Met a guy from San Francisco in a railway ticket line He said the Grateful Dead was alive and well But the weather wasn't so fine Nobody had a garden Nothing lived but weeds the earth looked like some kind of feverish person who'd caught a strange disease. He said the reservoirs are empty, cattle dying too. Every tongue is reaching out to sip the morning dew. And they say the fields and valleys are turning green to brown. That the farmers walk a dry and dusty mile in every farm and town. clouds stop crying and wasting time, and fly across the sky. And spread a lot of rain, sweet rain, spread a lot of rain on California. I don't want to see her die. I stared up to the diamond stars, one cashmere night. Black velvet sky and a raging river was no other sound or sight. The Big Dipper hung up above the river, and I felt that it was a shame. All this water here in California dry. I said to the Dipper by name, Reach down and kiss that raging river and fly across the sky. Spread a lot of rain, sweet rain, spread a lot of rain on California don't want to see her die. People and the animals like to gather where water flows. A beer, some tea, or a water hole it's there where something grows. And remember the music water makes the rainy pool and the circle dance. The thunder of the ocean and the waterfall the laughing creek that feeds the plants. Now the fields are green again, beauty has returned Tragedies continue to show what we still got to learn Can't waste away the ocean, water, air or land If we upset this sacred ground we won't have any place to stand So reach down and kiss the raging river and fly across the sky Spread a lot of rain, sweet rain Spread a lot of rain on California I don't want to see her Spread a lot of rain, sweet rain Spread a lot of rain on California I don't want to see her die Mama was said child don't you go to bed with the blues the angels will watch over you tonight you think a happy thought child as you drift off to sleep sail away on your dreams to the sweet morning's light cause sun flew away till morning moon come to see us see us through Round the corner of the starlight tomorrow waits up for you so don't you go to bed with the blues a little boy lies in his bed and cries he had a fight today it still hurts him inside And they said what he did was good what every brave young man should so why he asks the darkness does it all hurt like a lie then his mother comes in cause she feels him the darkness becomes soft and warm with a kiss and a hug and a Little bit of compassion, he's asleep and weathered his own important little stone. Sail away, little person, in your warm trundle bed and sing me the day's final sigh. And may your seat belt be tight as you cruise on through the night. May you always have someone to kiss you, sheep sheep. Cause sun flew away till morning. Moon, come to see us, see us through. Round the corner of the starlight, tomorrow waits up for you. So don't you go to bed with the blue. I worked on a hotline for abusive men once.
7: I know of only one thing you do in war. When you get into war, win it as quickly as you can. We've been able to be flexible not to kill people, very handily without war. One of their cities would disappear from the face of the earth. And that means bombing every place that has to be bombed, including the harbor of Haiphong, the docks of
3: Haiphong.
4: I'd rather lob one into the men's room in the Kremlin.
8: Mr. Johnson, I represent 17,000 students. We're here to stamp out the bomb. Roger, right, see it. Take some pictures with it. Son, I don't know what the hell you think's going on here. You see this place a shit the shithouse. They stole linen silverware here. I can't find a damn thing. What do you want, a bomb? Oh yes, that's bullshit. They pissed all that money away. There never was no bomb. Two Jew writers from Hollywood made up a story about a bomb and that was it. No bomb, not a bit of a piece of shit in the garage, here. Yeah. I'm not gonna tell those kids that, that there's no bomb. They marched for Maryland. Kids, there's no bomb. I can't tell those kids that. Come on, you, you got a piece of a bomb, some... Something looks like a bomb. Son, I ain't got a damn thing. I ain't got a top to piston. You see this place? There's not even no groceries here. Now, if I had a bomb, I'd give it to you. Well, give us the button, then. What button is that? The madman always gonna push a button. Okay, son, here it is. That's the button? Your pants are falling down. That's a button off your flies. That's the bomb button, eh? That's the bomb button, eh? That's a button off your flock. That's the bomb button. 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 That's the
7: bomb button. We've never been and never will be a warlike nation. We demand Russia disarm. That's pretty wild. Okay, now we've got a speech if the other party wins. We give the president a speech where we want to be a nice guy, but still give the other party the shaft, you know. <laughs> Regardless of party, we are all one. One for one common good as Americans. We shall help the other party in every way to keep from heading to the inevitable path of chaos and depression in which they will lead us. <laughs> Fair enough. Now, for people who want war, people who don't want war, people who are pro-segregation, pro-integration, the whole scene. It's called safety first. This one's a capper. (laughs) In this country, regardless of race, color, or creed, the color has a right to know it becomes everyone's duty. The duty that has become the right of every man, woman, and child. A child that one day will be proud of his heritage. A child that only in these perilous times won a man-born menace. A horrible bomb that can only disfigure and defame its creator. A horror, an evil, a bad, a lazy, a lethargic lethargy and complacency we cannot fall into
6: we've got a bond that can wipe out
7: half the world if necessary and we will to keep our standards the strength that has come from american unity that we alone will build for better schools and churches
3: And that, <clears throat> haven't played a lot of that recently, haven't played a lot of comedy, are things not so funny anymore, I don't know. that was Lenny Bruce, Lenny Bruce with the same sort of uh, sanctimonious attitude that the speaker in the war prayer, the people in the war prayer do about the righteousness of our cause. Now this is what Israelis are trying to convince us and convince themselves of righteousness of their cause. Everyone wants to have a righteous cause. Righteous cause might not matter for somebody whose kids have been kidnapped in the middle of a war. Maybe it's time to look into the background of how this all came and that Hamas aren't just a bunch of crazy people who want to hurt everybody. It's a horrible thing. It's a horrible thing, but not let's not pile on. Let's not follow the Beliefs of one side, not consider the other. Anyway, play this one. Take a break. We'll come back and we'll deal with some of the labor issues that are happening right now.
6: <laughs> Compared to what?
1: Motivation that is hanging up The goddamn nation Looks like we always end up The children are killing frogs poor dumb rednecks rolling low tired old ladies kissing the dogs i hate the human love Have one doubt, they call it treason With chicken feathers all the way with pride they all trying to teach us what they think is right they really got to be And where's that, honey? Where's my God and where's my money? Unreal values, a crass distortion. Unwed mothers need abortion. Kind of brings to my old young King Tut. He did it now, trying to make it real compared to what? Benny
3: Bailey. Okay, we're back. This is Labor and Love Radio, the show where we tell you how it is. If someone got a dollar they didn't work for, someone else worked for a dollar they didn't get. If you don't have a seat at the negotiating table, where you work, that is, you're on the menu. And never, but never let anyone into your heart who is not a friend of labor. And when I say labor, I mean you. It's only a waste of time. Labor and Love Radio, where the labor meets the road. So this part of our show this week, the first part of our show was dedicated to war and peace and the moment in history that we're all standing on right now as we wait to see how brutal Israeli occupation will be. And meanwhile, what's going on all over the world in terms of people going to work? Every day, every minute, someone in the world is going to work. Millions of people are going to work. third of our lives, something like 90,000 hours. Let's figure that out. 40-hour work. 45 weeks, that's 180, 1,800 hours of work a year. You work 50 years, that's 90,000 hours. That's a.k.a. your life. So, of course, we're interested in the labor movement. Of course, we're interested in workplace issues. Anyway, here we go with Solidarity News, Radio Labor, our worldwide labor connection. And so, work permeates everything. We can talk about soldiers. And certainly one of the most oppressive workplace situations there is, a place where you give up your conscience to the state or to the governing body of the state. Okay, here's Solidarity News for October 13th from Radio Labor.
9: This is Solidarity News on Radio Labor.
10: This is a Radio Labor World Report recorded on Friday, October 13th, 2023. I'm Mark Balanchet. In the report this week, the widespread discrimination in platform services such as Uber, the need to care for nurses globally. The Labor Start report about union events and singing.
9: Pain is gone. Keep now. For a patient and nurse to care for you.
10: This is Radio Labor. One of the issues not often discussed when it comes to the plight of platform workers such as Uber drivers is discrimination, especially discrimination against women workers. The Solidarity Center in the United States has produced a podcast showing the extent of the problem. It's entitled Tech Discrimination, The New Way We Work. The host of the podcast is the Solidarity Center's Executive Director, Shana Bader
11: Platform app workers are making significantly less money than they earned six or seven years ago, but one group in particular has seen
12: precipitous declines. Uber's own research suggests that women, on average, earn less than men by about 7%. So it's not that Uber considers gender in how they set these wages, but it is that the structure of the algorithms tends to recreate traditional forms of discrimination.
11: Welcome to My Boss is a Robot, a podcast from the Solidarity Center. We're breaking down the nitty gritty of platform work. We're taking on the many problems that exist in the gig economy and are also paying special attention to the many hardworking people who contract with these big ride sharing and delivery apps like Uber, Didi, and Rappi. In this episode, we take a closer look at how these algorithms rip off their workers by replicating wage discrimination that sees women and other marginalized workers get less pay. First, we're going to take a moment to talk about the women who use these apps. The pressures of being a woman worker in the app-based economy are complex and nuanced. They often face sexual discrimination or worse. Take for instance, Lawal Ayubami, female app driver in Lagos, Nigeria.
13: As a woman on the job, some go as far as molesting you, like saying, doesn't want me to work again. I should come and keep him company. I'm like, what kind of company do I want to keep you? I have to call the security of where i will be dropping the man. Please come and help me take the man out of my car because I have another ride waiting for me. And he refused to leave. Imagine if I was in an isolated area. <laughs> this man might actually want to go extra on me. Ayubami says she's propositioned 20% of the time. If I pick maybe 10 men in a day, Listen two, we want to see if they can have your, their way with you. And I always tell them that if you're proposing that right now, you're telling me to be doing another thing instead of me trying to work legitimately for myself. So I'm not in for that. And I'll respect you, or I respect this time. Like, let us leave it professionally. Like, I took you to where you're going to right now, and it ends just there.
11: Not only do the app companies mine data on customers, their algorithms use data to influence their drivers. Vina Duval is a professor of law at the University of California, San Francisco College of Law. She does research on precarious work and technology and coined the phrase algorithmic wage discrimination.
12: And what this term describes is a wage setting process that firms engage in, In which people, individuals are allocated different hourly wages based on data that is both personal and impersonal. But what it essentially means is that individuals get variable digital hourly wages based on black box algorithms that firms build. So that means that if you and I are doing the same work at the same time, in the same way, with the same skill, we would still very likely get different hourly wages based on the data that the firms have about us and based on the fact that we're different people. And it sort of throws out the idea of equal pay for equal work.
10: The podcast about discrimination in the platform sector is one of six podcasts entitled My Boss is a Robot. To listen to the other podcasts in the series, visit www.solidaritycenter.org. Center is spelled C-E-N-T-E-R. There is a crisis in nursing all around the world with understaffing, a lack of respect for family life issues, and increasingly problems caused by the climate crisis. Recently, Global Nurses United held a conference in San Francisco to discuss what can be done. One of the nurses who attended the conference was Linda Silas. Ms. Silas is the president of the Canadian Federation of Nurses Unions. The CFNU has about 250,000 nurses in Canada. I asked her what Global Nurses United was and what it does.
14: About 10 years ago, we started the GNU Global Nurses United to bring working nurses together toward uh, promoting public health or Medicare for all, to promote nurse-patient ratios to so stay staffing, and work together on the climate crisis. Right now, we are, represent nurses in 35 countries, with just over 3 million. You have
10: said that there is a global crisis in nursing. What does this crisis consist of?
14: We knew way before the pandemic that we were going to hit a nursing shortage. And then the pandemic hit, and I always call the pandemic, it was like a code 99. The patient's heart stopped all the attention that needs to be put towards that. And we did. And now the situation is worse than during the pandemic because we're in a shortage, but we're also in a shortage of two prongs. When a shortage, we don't have enough educated and trained nurses across the country and across the globe. But we also have a shortage of nurses willing to work full-time, even part-time hours because of the working admission.
10: There were nurses from all around the world at the conference, Global Nurses United. What issues did they have in common?
14: The understaffing is probably the number one. The shortage of nurses uh, is global and some countries feel more of a despair. But the issue that we were all trying to manage well is the migration of nurses. As you know, many internationally educated nurses come to Canada. We welcome them. But it's important to welcome them both professionally and culturally. And those were issues we we we're discussing on how to welcome them culturally. But also, our recruitment needs to be based ethically. So you can't go and recruit nurses in a country that will be deprived of nursing services. And there are certain target countries that even the Philippines, which we thought had a surplus of nurses, are now showing a shortage of nurses. The first policy is ethical recruitment, and we passed the statement at GNU on how nurses' unions across the world are going to support ethical recruitment. So it's a give and take. If I go and recruit nurses in your country, I have to make sure the numbers are safe for you and for us, but also that I give back to your country. And that we're not seeing a lot of. We're seeing, for example, Canada going to the Philippines, India, And and other countries, a lot of the countries in Africa, too, where we go and recruit their nurses, but leave them with nothing. Here with
10: his report about union events is Labor Start correspondent Derek Blackadder.
15: This week, our top stories section was dominated by links to statements by unions around the world in response to the Israel-Hamas war. Other top stories this week include a study by the Public Services International, the Global Union Federation for Public Service Workers, that concludes that fully half of all healthcare workers around the world are on the verge of quitting their jobs. This is the direct result of the stresses the pandemic placed on already underfunded healthcare systems, exacerbated by the staffing crisis created by the large number of workers who have already moved to other jobs. A random sample from our news pages includes an article from Italy where, as a show of strength in the face of a far-right government, unions there brought 200,000 workers to the streets of Rome this week. From Germany, where Amazon warehouse workers struck on Prime Day, and from across the Middle East, where Western fast food chains are being accused of widespread worker abuse. On our Working Women news page, you'll find stories in Icelandic about the lead-up to the latest national strike by women workers in that country. If this one, scheduled for the 24th of October, is anywhere near as successful as those in the past, especially the 1975 walkout, we'll have lots to report on in the coming weeks. From the United Arab Emirates, we carried stories of the horrific treatment meted out to domestic workers there, and we are tracking the Bangladeshi tea garden workers' push for a 20% wage increase. Stories appearing on our health and safety page in Newswire this week include a one-day walk by South African education workers as crime in schools there, including assaults on teachers and other school staff, spikes, The sad news that almost a dozen Israeli and Palestinian journalists have been killed on the job this week and the renewed push by unions in Malawi to have that country ratify ILO Convention 190 on workplace harassment. Our current photo of the week is a shot of a creative nighttime picket line in the United States where the Auto Workers Union has adopted an even more creative and unprecedented incremental multi-employer strike strategy. LaborStart hosts online solidarity actions at the request of unions around the world. This week, we'd like to highlight urgent appeals for online solidarity with trade union activists in Iran and in Mexico. If you can spare just a few seconds, you can do your part in these struggles by sending a solidarity message. Look for details of these and other campaigns on our site. This is Derek Blackadder from LaborStart reporting for Radio Labor.
10: Now here from the Labor CD, Fallen Heroes, is a nurse's lullaby.
9: Close your eyes, time to sleep now You have someone to call to The pain is gone It will keep now for a patient For you, the ward is still no one walking, no more tests to get through. Lights are low, no one talking.
10: That's it. Labor news you can use. You can listen to our newscasts and features at radiolabor.net. Radio Labor is starting English as an additional language service for labor unionists. To learn more about the lessons, visit our site and click on the menu tab, English Lessons. I'm Mark Bellagio. Thank you for listening. And remember, it's all about global solidarity.
3: That was uh, Bertha Hill, Bertha Chippy Hill, with some cold, rainy day. Okay, we're gonna switch gears here for a minute and talk to our campus correspondents. Hello, Vita, can you hear me? Okay. Hello to Vita and Yemen, our campus correspondents. And after so much talk, the first whole hour of our show was dedicated to war. We're talking about Brother Charlie Morgan. Brother Charlie Morgan, my brother, celebrated his birthday on October 13th, one day after Columbus Day, he used to say. And he passed away a couple of years ago. So today, we're memor- remembering him. As you can tell, I played several of his songs. Right now, I want to talk to b- to two people who knew Charlie, our campus correspondents in Yemen. Hello, you guys. Hi. Today, we're celebrating Charlie Morgan. Can you? Uh, What's the first thing that comes into your mind when you think of Charlie? Oh, I always think of how he liked to make
16: jokes. And he always liked to have music around him. He enjoyed all different types of music and getting into deep conversations and just being a very nice person to be around and talk to and get to know. And we always had I mean I had a good time with him, especially as I got older. And I got to know him better and stuff, so I enjoyed that a lot. And just a lot of music, he'd always turn me on to really cool music from a long time ago that I still love to this day, you know, that is now part of who I am.
17: Yeah, I would say, you know, based, you know, kind of the same thing that Vita's saying, you know, what I, very bubbly, you know, very
6: bubbly bundle of joy, you know, and, yeah, yeah, and he
16: had a lot of stories all the time about his travels or about what he was doing. He was always interested and engaged in things.
17: Yeah, I felt like I I knew him um, when he was alive, but the side of him that I got to know was the side of the family side of him. But I feel like after he passed, and you know, we started like you know remembering him. Everybody remembered. Him. Ways, you know, I found out that you know he was very immersed in his radio, and you know I think he would call the games too, the baseball games.
1: Oh yeah. yeah say, uh, totally different side
3: of him that I never knew. So cool. Charlie, you know, it, Yeah. Charlie was in a lot of ways really amazing. Um, I was about in my twenties, you know, already teaching school. He would already been around the world twice. So when he talked about, for example, as everybody's talking about now, Israel and Palestine and kibbutzes, Charlie knew sure. he'd been on a kibbutz. He'd actually stayed you know, and worked there for several months. He'd been, yeah. he'd been to Turkey, right? He'd been to all sorts of places, Australia, and yeah. other people talk about. India, right? So... Had that benefit, you know, of, of being around the world in person. Yeah, he took the Jesus route, where, where Jesus went almost. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, Jesus traveled too in those thirty years, and he experienced. Yeah, he experienced
7: a lot. That's crazy, you know. It's so so profound, like you know his experiences. And just talking to him. Can really like tell like is everything
16: he says is rich. Uh, like you know stuck up or anything. He was always easy to talk to.
3: Yeah, he prided himself on that. Played a couple yeah. of his songs, and I'll probably play one or two more before we leave off today. Thank nice. You. Thank you so much, you guys. Anything to add? Okay, guys, thank you. Very well spoken. Bye-bye. All right, campus correspondents. Talk to you later. Okay, so um, that was Yemen and Vita, our campus correspondents, talking about Brother Charlie Morgan, my brother and their uncle. And uh, his career as a musician, as a traveler, as a working man. We stop for a moment on this eve of a horrible war and honor him, and honor people like him. All right, what about the strikes that were happening all around? UAW answers new approach in its historic strike against Big Three automakers. The UAW versus the Big Three automakers. How about the teachers union? How about the actors' strike? We're getting war is kind. We're getting radio labor. But the Kaiser Permanente strike is not coming in. Labor history in two minutes, October 12th, workers begin to come together.
2: Mama always said Child, don't you go to bed with the blues The angels will watch over you tonight You think a happy thought Child, as you drift off to sleep Sail away on your dreams To the sweet morning's light Cause sun flew away Till morning Moon come to see us See us through Round the corner Of the starlight Tomorrow waits up For you So don't you go to bed With the blues A little boy Lies In his bed and cries He had a fight today, it still hurts him inside. And they said what he did was good, what every brave young man should. So why, he asks the darkness, does it all hurt like a lie? Then his mother comes in, cause she feels him. The darkness becomes soft and warm With a kiss and a hug And a little bit of compassion He's asleep and weathered his own important little storm Sail away, little person In your warm trundle bed And sing me the day's final sigh. And may your seatbelt be tight as you cruise on through the night. May you always have someone to kiss you sheep she by Cause sun flew away till morning. Moon come to see us, see us through. Round the corner of the starlight Tomorrow waits up for you So don't you go to bed with the blues
18: We brought it back to them, we walked them through it, and they left and then called a few hours later and said, We're
3: here's friend Drescher on the latest. They had given us
18: a proposal package. We worked for like thirty-six hours on it. We brought it back them through it and they left and then called a few hours later and said, We're breaking negotiations. So it's not only baffling, but wholly disappointing. I've never really met people that actually don't understand what negotiations mean. You know, I mean, why are you walking away from the table? To what end do you hope that that will accomplish anything? Mm -hmm. And actually my members are more pumped up than ever. They feel so insulted by this, so degraded by this and dishonored by this, that it's like, Fran, do not cave. They they don't really wanna negotiate. They just want us to like what they want us to like. They don't wanna hear about it because they keep giving us this huge inflated number of how much they're spending on production and how much they're paying out to uh, the uh, our union in salary but it's all divided up amongst so many thousands of people that it doesn't add up to anything except for our highest paying earners which i have zero problem with um and we're fighting for them as well with ai they're very concerned about uh their likeness their essence of being the thing that makes them a star is going to be ripped off, going to be turned into something that's hardly even recognizable.
3: Okay. That was Fran Drescher, the head of the actors group. It we got here on UAW, United Auto Workers President John Fein said on Friday the union would not expand the strike immediately against the big three automakers but left open the possibility that it could do so at any time. Fain in a Facebook live appearance called this a new phase in the union's fight against General Motors. Ford and Stell Atlantis, as the strike enters its fifth. So what what these guys are doing is something that's kind of innovative. Okay, the first thing they're doing is they're not tipping their hand as to what they're going to do next. Like Friday, as a result of a really crappy offer by the uh, Ford company, The union decided to shut down a UAW Ford plant in Kentucky that makes a great, a great number, great percentage of all the Ford parts produced in this country. Payne had previously used his Facebook live presentations to announce strike plans. The UAW changed tactics Earlier this week, when the union called on 8,700 workers at Ford's Kentucky truck plant to walk off the job after Ford declined to offer a better contract. And Fain says, we're not sticking to one pattern or one system of giving these companies an extra hour or an extra day, said Fain on Friday morning. They know what needs to happen, and they know how to get it done. At this point, it looks like they're still at loggerheads. San Francisco educators vote to go on strike. This happened last uh, Thursday on October 11th.
14: Let's hear what... Has to San Francisco tonight are taking a vote on whether they will authorize a strike. KTV's
10: Christian Captain joins us live tonight from Balboa High School there in the city where some teachers are voting. And Christian, is there any chance this can all be averted?
19: Yeah, well, I'll tell you, negotiations are still underway, but take a look here behind me, Mike. You can see a steady stream of educators coming and going here to Balboa High School, casting their ballots on whether they want to authorize a strike uh, if a deal cannot be reached. After more than 10 months of negotiating, San Francisco teachers and district officials have yet to reach a deal on a new contract. Now, educators are casting votes on whether to authorize a strike if a deal can't be reached.
12: We're expecting our 6,000 members to make their way to Balboa High School, to make their vote known. Um, and to really send a message to the bargaining team about how they'd like to handle, uh, how they'd like us to handle the district's proposal.
19: Teachers and administrators are negotiating over pay increases. At last report, teachers were looking for a two-year deal with a $12,000 increase. The district was offering $10,000. The district wouldn't comment about the strike authorization vote. Instead, referring to an October 3rd statement, saying SFUSD is offering an historic contract aimed at attracting and retaining top educators, even as the district faces a structural shortfall with declining enrollment. The superintendent saying in part, quote, the fiscal health of the district is vital to our mission of serving students. Our decisions are based on what will best support students' learning and well-being. I remain hopeful that we will reach an agreement with our labor partners. Teachers are urging the district to cut back on administration. At this point, educators say they're still hopeful a deal will be struck.
12: We're always very hopeful, right? Our intention uh, in bargaining and as overall as educators is to always find a way uh, to, to make a deal that works for everyone. We're fighting for the schools our students deserve, and that means that Um, we have to use every tool necessary.
19: A strike could shut down San Francisco schools, and Mayor London Breed says her office has stepped in, aiming to help the two sides reach an agreement and avoid a strike.
9: We, you know, have inserted ourselves in the process to try and be a mediator to get to a better place to ensure that the teachers do not go on strike.
19: And the union is preparing to release the results of this strike authorization vote tomorrow at noon. If they vote to authorize that strike, they will have to take a second vote before a strike would actually take place. At this point, no date has been set for when a strike could come. We're live in San Francisco. Christian Kafton, KTVU, Fox 2 News. And Christian, if there is a strike, do you get the sense that, look, there's just not enough substitute teachers out there, enough staff to keep the classrooms open, that they will indeed close? Uh, it's hard to say exactly what would happen. I can tell you that there are 6,000 educators here. It would be very hard to try to uh, replace that number of people. I, I can't see any other way for this to go forward other than to have uh, the city's schools, the city's public schools, grind to a halt. Well, let's hope they both can come to an agreement. Both sides, that is. All right, Christian Captain, live there in the city. Christian, thank you.
3: One more Kaiser Permanente Kaiser Permanente and unions representing tens of thousands of its frontline health care workers on Friday announced a tentative contract agreement, likely averting a threatened strike walkout by health care workers. So oh, that was a 3-day strike and they had threatened to strike again in November but looks like that might not be necessary. This is the B and it's time for us to say goodbye. Let's go out with uh other Charlie Morgan. Um.
2: In New Zealand, I read a magazine. Something nasty crossed my eye. The earth that fed me in California was turning cracked and dry. New Zealand ferns are always green. It rains more there than it should. I looked to the cloud that was raining on me and said, "Go, you can do some good." Cloud stopped crying and wasting time and fly across the sky spread a lot of rain sweet rain spread a lot of rain on california i don't want to see her die met a guy from san francisco in a railway ticket line he said the grateful dead was alive and well but the weather wasn't so fine nobody had a garden nothing lived but weeds The earth looked like some kind of feverish person who'd caught a strange disease. He said the reservoirs are empty, cattle dying too. Every tongue is reaching out to sip the morning dew. And they say the fields and valleys are turning green to brown. That the farmers walk a dry and dusty mile in every farm in town. i stop crying. And-
0: It's gone.